Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. And today, our guest is the incredible Dan Dominguez. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Shay. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for reaching out on LinkedIn just, gosh, just a few weeks ago. Yes. And as soon as we, I started reading who you are and what you do, I was like, well, this is really fascinating. Let me jump on and take a quiz. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for an online quiz just to, <laughs> just to see what it says about myself, because I think we all need reassurance sometimes, but I think we also need just some more insight on who we are right. and how we show up in the world. So thank you for connecting and for being here. I'm so glad that I did, Shay. I love the work that you do. And it was a no-brainer for me to say yes to be on your show. Well, and as soon as we talked, it was like, well, yeah, of course, it was a no-brainer for you to be on the show. It was just perfect alignment. So I love it when that happens. Yes. And so for those of you who don't know Dan Dominguez, his why is contribute. And that means he exists to positively impact the lives of others. How he does that is a challenging the status quo and looking at things from a fresh perspective and helping others see things differently. Ultimately, what you can count on Dan from is his unique ability to make sense of the complex and challenging to help others move forward faster. Dan is an army ranger and loves to connect with people and make a difference. And that is what he does every day in his role as the chief growth officer at Y Institute. And we invite you to connect with him at yinstitute.com. And that will be in the show notes as well. And I love the chief growth officer for one, the growth mindset is all everything that I am, but there's something I love to when I see other people who have something fun and not just, oh, I'm a CFO, I'm a CIO or a CEO, something totally different. So I definitely wanted to know more about you just from that standpoint. I love that the title attracted you. It's interesting when we talk about growth because growth is obviously, I could be the chief sales officer or chief marketing officer, or I could see be the, the sales department, but that's boring, right? Number right. one. And I know that appealed to you because you share the why of challenge in your top three. You're somebody who likes to look at the world differently, mm -hmm. look at different perspectives. So if something's different, it catches your attention, it catches mine. And when we talk about growth, it's not just about growing our business, which we do want to grow the why institute but it's about giving people the opportunity to grow by understanding themselves better right the coaches that we work with the people that we bring on are successful coaches already that are working with clients and they're taking them through some kind of why discovery process you have a why discovery process every coach i talk to initially says yeah i can i figure i want to know what my client's why is, and I take them through a process. And sometimes it's a one day meeting or it's the first meeting. You spend a couple hours on that, or sometimes it's multiple meetings, or sometimes it's, it could take a month, 
the challenge that a lot of our coaches tell me they have is you never really sure if you got it right. Mm-hmm. So what I love about my role at the Y Institute is I get to bring him something that's foolproof, 100%. You're going to know what drives your client when they take our discovery. And you mentioned you, you called it a quiz, and I'm not going to blame you for that, Shay. We <laughs> call it a discovery. Got but at the end of the day, it is, it's sort of like a quiz. It's a questionnaire. We call it a discovery because it's not an assessment. We don't assess anything. We don't give you a number value of how much you like to challenge, how much you like to find better ways or how much you like to contribute. We just figure out, we figured out a way to ask the questions. So we get to your top three of the nine whys that are out there. What are your top three? Because these are your drivers. This is how you do just about everything. And we had a great conversation about your YOS. And so that's part, it's growth. It's sharing with people who they are. For some, like yourself, people who are very self-aware already, it's confirming what they already mm-hmm. and giving you some different language to say it with. So mm-hmm. that's the part I love. It's I think I love that you like growth and that it's that you saw more than just sales in it. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it, it just goes along with everything that I am and that I do, which brings me to the first question that I always typically ask. So with growth in mind. What does the power of investing in people mean to you? That is a great question. We had our quarterly meeting recently. We had our whole Y Institute team together and we have, there's an older generation and there's a younger generation (laughs) in the group. Our marketing people are amazing and they're all amazingly talented, amazingly young and amazingly energetic. But one of the things we talk about, the power of investing in people, and I've said this since I led sales teams at a high level at a Fortune 100 company, and I always had really good people and I loved investing in them. And I remember other leaders saying to me, Dan, why are you investing so much in your team? You're going to, they're going to get so good. They're going to, and I would always say, well, I'd rather have a really good team and have them leave then have a really crappy team and have them stay, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, you can keep your team un- untalented, uneducated, and not give them any chance for mm-hmm. growth. Or, and one of the things that came out of our quarterly meeting, so I shared that story, but I said, you can, you want to invest in your people so they have the talent in, so that they're talented enough to leave, mm-hmm. but you want to treat them well enough that they want to stay. Yes. So you want to invest in your people. You want to make them the best team possible. And then in those interactions that you have with them, you want to make sure that they feel valued, that they feel loved, that they feel that you care about them, right? People are going to stay at a company, at a venture. They're going to stay with you through thick and thin when they feel seen. So do you see who I am? They feel heard. Are you listening to them? And they feel understood. And I think that's that goes along with what we do at Y Institute. When we know somebody's Y operating system, what we call the YOS, we can tailor our message to them, not just with our clients, but our internal clients are very valuable. We call them the Y force. Our team that puts together our marketing campaigns, that puts together our social media campaigns, that are putting together our speaker program so that I can get on podcasts, so I can get in front of big audiences, so that our CEO and founder is in front of the right people. They're working very hard every day. We're the face of Y Institute. They're behind the scenes making it all happen. Well, I love that you're really talking about company culture. 
Yes. And I have talked to many high level executives in my coaching, but just in networking events and people I know as friends and stuff too. And it's fascinating to me how many people forget to invest in their team, invest in the person. And then there are those, and you mentioned about, I love that you said, do you want crappy salespeople? And then they stay, right? <laughs> right? Like that's right. not going to do you any well, <laughs> but they're looking at the bottom line rather than looking at the person who's helps with the bottom line. Right. Right. And that just is so crucial because it goes back to the whole growth word, the growth mindset way. Have you read that book, Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck? I have not read it, but that's on my list. Thank you so much for sharing, Shay. I read about 40 books a year. So you just grew my list. Amazon, they <laughs> love me because I just put these books on my list. So Growth Mindset by Carol, I believe it's Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. Okay. So she's a teacher and it comes from a teacher standpoint and it talks about how as students, when they take a test and they get a, 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 a not a good grade. Okay. There are those types who look at that, not a good grade and go, darn it. I need to study more. Right. And then there are those types who look at it and go, oh my God, I'm a failure. Right. And so it's really able to kind of lays it out in a way that we can comprehend it in ourselves, mm -hmm. other people of which side of the coin are they on? Are they on right. the growth mindset or are they on the fixed is what they call it, the fixed mindset. Yeah. And the, that fixed mindset is just super negative, right? Mm -hmm. And so if they're having, like you said, that company culture where they're keeping crappy sales, they're, then they're not really, they're not growing as humans. Yeah. Well, I, I've often said, so, so I led sales teams for a long time. And I remember I, I always wanted to hire people that were more talented than me. I got my MBA at the age of 50 because I wanted to have that MBA because everybody I was hiring had an MBA. And I said, you know what? I think I'm going to join them. I think it's a good idea for me to understand. So I got an MBA in pharmaceutical and healthcare marketing because that was the sector that I was in. Even though when I finished, I was no longer in that role. But everyone I hired, I would say, okay, could they take my job? Not only mm -hmm. that, could they take my boss's job? Mm -hmm. I wanted to hire people that could not only take my job, but the next level that I could train to get to that next level. They had the potential because a lot of leaders sometimes they, because they crave that power and that control, mm -hmm. they don't want to hire somebody that can take their job. Cause guess what? They're aiming for your job. I wanted 10 people on my team that were fighting and clawing to be me when I left. Because that meant they were going to be doing their absolute best to show that they were better. And the rising tide raises all ships as you yes. so you bring in that first hot shot salesperson that's over exceeding quota by 15, 20% every year, then everybody else knows they've got to up their game and they're working together. And the other thing that we did is on my teams, it was always about collaboration, right? So yes. you bring in really talented people. And then you have them share best practices because no matter what it may, okay, it started out as bragging, but guess what? Everybody's taking notes on how Jackie did it or how Dave did it or how Tom did it because they're all looking around and saying, man, they, he got to number one pretty fast. So how did he do that? So that, Hey, tell us what you did different than everybody else. And then let's all take notes and let's take the what's best, what works for you. 
And so we did it in the spirit of collaboration and the spirit of growth, because we knew that as a team, we could grow. I was very proud. I took a region. I remember when I got hired, this rate, this region was high, was ranked 15th out of 13. I mean, we were so bad. <laughs> we were, we, nobody had ever been on a sales trip. We <laughs> never sniffed the top 10, but every year we got better. It was like, it went from 13th and we went, we were in the top 10 and then we were number seven and then we were number five. And then we were number three. Every year we just improved. We had some turnover, some people joined, some people left, but was great is towards the end. I was losing people because they were getting promoted. They're becoming fellow managers. So now people that had worked with me are my fellow managers. And then we, when I got promoted to from a region manager to a VP role, then I, they were joining me in that rank too. So, you know, what you do when you build those powerful teams, especially if you're in a corporate environment and you develop people, those people become your peers. And then when you're at that peer level, you've got a network of people that say, hey, Dan helped me get here. Mm-hmm. And so you get you can get more things done. And if you're in, a, in an environment where there's political ways to get things done, well, it helps that you have three of your fellow regional managers used to work for you. And you're gonna, you, if you have an idea that you want to work, you have three people you can run it by and you can do things together. So it was a great way to build culture, build successful people and build successful teams. And we all learn from each other. Yeah, I love that. And so I'm just curious, can you take me back to Dan Younger and there, have you always been this like positive and outgoing and growth minded or did somebody, did something happen and someone invested in you and said, Hey, you know what, let's put that, that fixed mindset, or it could be also called ego. Let's put that aside and let's focus on the team as a whole. Yeah, that's a great question. When you go back to Dan as a young man, I was a little bit of a troublemaker when I was in middle school. See, this is why we're friends, Dan. <laughs> yes, I was that kid that I was I was a boxer when I was a kid. So I, I love to fight. But what I didn't realize is I shouldn't be fighting in school, right? Mm. But what happens when you're in a, I grew up in an area of town that's not the best part of town. And so it was good that you were a tough kid. Instead mm. of academics, they value hey, who's tougher, right? Yeah. And so since I was a fighter, I could take care of myself. And so I developed a reputation and I sort of became a leader in the school and it wasn't in a positive way. I remember that I had a, a one of my principal one time, one of the times I got sent to the principal's office and Yvonne Kaufman, I still, I'm still friends with her. She was in my house during COVID. She visited, she was in town. <laughs> We're still friends, a wonderful lady. She stopped by and my friends came over and we all said hello to our middle school principal. Oh. And I remember sitting in her office and she said, Daniel, you're a leader. And you can continue to be a leader and go down the wrong path, or you can channel that in a positive way. And I think you have it in you to channel it in a positive way. So she got me involved in what she called the student leadership group. And we created a leadership group with other kids like myself who were taking their leadership skills and using them in a negative way to learn how to channel them positively. And it was so amazing that she took that. And I went from that to being president of my class to being graduating number nine out of 315 students at a big high school, getting a full academic scholarship. But I always remembered that someone took the time to mentor me, Hmm. to invest. And I had so many great teachers along the way, so many great leaders. Even when I was interviewing for college, I remember getting earning a scholarship from, from the University of New Mexico And the gentleman who was on the scholarship board that interviewed me for that scholarship took me under his wing. And then he went above and beyond. So I think because I had so many people in my life that took extra time, 
I've always been a person that wants to give back. Yes. Right? I always want to look at the positive in people and I want to make sure that every, I live in abundance, right? Mm-hmm. You have, you give. And so that's the contributor side of me. So that's why in everything that I do, I'm always looking, okay, how can this make a positive impact in the lives of others? When I came to Y Institute and I ran into Gary, he was my dentist for 20 years. And he said, Dan, I need your help. And I said, what do you need? He says, I want to take this commercial. I want to take this to the world. And I said, well, guess what? In my best year, we did half a billion dollars in sales. I can help. (laughs) grow sales. Let me, let's get together and do this. I wanted to make a difference for the people that Gary was targeting. I know that this makes a positive impact in the lives of coaches and their clients. So the more people that we can get in front of the better, right? So we don't measure our success by dollars. We measure our success by the impact that we make. How many people are we positively impacting? And if you keep that in mind, the dollars flow. Right. We know that if you're making a positive impact in the lives of others, how many people can you impact? Then the growth, the growth will happen. And that's what I I love it. And clearly this is why we're best friends was the (laughs) first conversation, because I was also a troublemaker. And just in the last probably 13 years, when I started my healing process, I realized that I was a bully. Like I was bullied and then I became the bully, which is what happens most of the time. Right. And so I have something that came to me one day. I just started taking notes, Holy Spirit, God, source, universe, intuition, whatever you want to call it. I call it God just gave me laid on my heart one day and I was just feverishly taking notes. And it's about, it's a program to retrain the bully because they are literally all leaders and they just have to be redirected. And so I love that your principal really invested in you by seeing that in you rather than trying to punish you with something silly like suspension or whatever, which is like, okay, so you're going to give me three days off to cause more trouble. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, great. What's what's the downside, right? Exactly. Like I don't, that's not even really a consequence. I don't understand. And so it's fascinating to me that before it was a thing that she was ahead of her time and really focused on investing in you because you could have gone the other way very quickly and we might not have been there talking. So it's absolutely true when you think about that, because I'm 52 years old. There are people that are, that I lost friends that I went to middle school with that are in jail, Mm -hmm. dead, no longer around, didn't make the choices that I made. And I was very, very lucky to have people that that helped me make the right choices. I had great parents. I was a troublemaker, not because my parents weren't there. I had a mom and a dad who loved me and and provided for me and were supportive. I think it's just the part of me that just wanted to test the boundaries, right? Hey, let's see how much I can get away with. And that's the challenge part in me, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. I just said, Hey, if I can get away with it, let's see, let's see what else I can do. But channeling that in a positive way has been such a change in my life. I love that. And you're so true. I mean, a lot of times we, it's not that we're acting out. Sometimes we are, but it's not that we're acting out, but we're more like, well, why did, why do we have this rule? Why do we have, can't we bend it? Let's see how far we can push the boundaries. And as kids, I think we do that all the time. Sometimes we do that as adults too, but you know, as kids, (laughs) we do that all the time, just biologically. So, so here we are now you're in middle school, you've moved on to, you're in leadership, you've twisted, taken a different turn. 
and now you're into high school. So what made you decide to be in, go in the army and become an army ranger? Were you already like my parents, I had family who did that, or were you had mentioned college too. So how did all this come into play? Yeah, no, great question. So again, as I mentioned, you sit down and I think with those of us who have the why of contribute that want to help others, you look at your life and you say, wow, how lucky am I? Right. Mm -hmm. And again, I did that at a very young age. I was here. I was at school coming from a not so great part of town. My family are immigrants. We came to this country with not a lot and learned English, got into the educational system, took advantage enough that you have a full academic ride and you see the ads be all that you can be, I mm. think is what it was at the time, right? Mm. But you, you feel a, a responsibility. This is a place that we'd have stayed in Mexico. Where would I be? Right. But now we're here. My family's here and we have all these great opportunities. So you feel like, Hey, I want to give back. And so the best way I know to give back as an 18 year old is I signed up for the army mm. and I wanted to give back. And so I signed up for the army reserves and, uh, and then that grew into joining the ROTC, becoming an officer, and then going into active duty and supporting the third armored cabin, getting to do all those fun things that you can do when you're 22 years old. So I went to airborne school, got to jump out of planes. Then I went to ranger school and I got to jump out of planes and slog through the mud and go through uh, a lot of training that you would never put your body through unless you were 22 <laughs> years old and, and right. just you recover from everything. But I learned so much throughout. Mm. I tell people before I had my MBA at the age of 50, I used to tell people have a bachelor's in marketing and a master's in leadership provided by Uncle Sam, because uh. there is nothing that teaches you leadership of different cultures, of yeah. different people. I Because I was a quartermaster officer, I had female troops in my, under my command. So you learn how to deal with everything. And different, the, the army doesn't discriminate. They, they put you at basic training and it's, hey, all of you are going in that shower naked. There's 20 of you in there. Nothing, nothing makes you, makes everything go away. Like, hey, you know what? We're all here. We're all trying to survive and you come together and then you learn that you help each other. I think people ask, how do you get through ranger school? It's not the most athletic guys. God wasn't the most athletic. I was pretty athletic, but not the most for sure. It's not the smartest guy. It's there were really smart guys that didn't make it. And it's not the, the best trained. I think what you find is who is going to turn to the guy next to them and mm. say, Hey, can I help? Because then when that guy is down, you take a little bit off their pack, you carry the extra gear and you help. It's who turns to the guy next to them and make sure they succeed. Mm. And I think we found so many of us through throughout that we were always, Hey, how are you doing? And sometimes a guy just needed a chat because they got a letter from home back then. We, oh, we still yeah. wrote letters back then. Yeah. We didn't have smartphones or anything. So I remember we'd have mail call and you'd listen and you'd, so you'd see somebody a little bit down and you go over and you put your arm around them and say, hey, how you doing? Can I help? And just letting them talk. Because when, you know, when you're getting two hours of sleep, you're living on 800 calories a day, mm -hmm. you're pushing your body to its limits. It's just a matter of who feels like the guy next to you is going to take care of you and you're going to take care of them. And that's how you get through. And those are the ones, 20% of us made it through, 80% of us fell out. But those of us that made it through developed some great, long, long, lifelong friends. I love that. And I'm just thinking back to when you were in middle school, that probably would have never have happened. You probably weren't watching out for your buddies or your right. friends or saying, hey, can I take something off your backpack to help you out today? You look struggling. So yeah. I love that you've just really grew and matured and such a rapid in my ear 
in my mind, from middle school on to becoming a ranger. So good for you. Well, thank you. You brought up such a great topic around bullies and, and converting because I probably did a little bit of that. I, listen, I didn't probably, I did, right? <laughs> yeah. um, you, you, Nobody you, actually you know. wants to admit that, but yeah, yeah. we all kind of way, shape or form, right? Because it, there's a pecking order and if you're bullying, then you can't get bullied, right? Exactly. And so it, it's a protective mechanism. We were talking about this, just the Back to the Future movies. Yeah. Biff. Biff yes. and McFly, right? When you look at, there's a whole, there's a lot to unpack there, right? Mm. Bully has got some insecurities. He knows that if he bullies, then he won't get bullied. But then there's a whole pack that follows him, right? Absolutely. What are they doing, right? They're protecting themselves because as long as they support, Biff won't pick on them. Right. So they're going to do whatever Biff says. And it doesn't matter that Marty's smart. He's a good guy. It doesn't matter. We just want to make sure that Biff doesn't turn on us. So Biff's got his focus on them. Let's keep it. And that's what keeps us from standing up. But one of the things I know about Shay, and it, we didn't talk about this, Shay, but with people with the why of challenge, one of the things we know about them is they hate bullies. They stand up to bullies. <laughs> and I bet you do that all the time. Oh, that's funny. I actually, so because I was bullied, that's why I became a bully. But it wasn't until I've been on this more growth journey on the yeah. last 13 years that I'm definitely stand up to bullies now. So that's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Yeah. And can... I see it from the other perspective too, because right. I was a bully. Right. So now right. it's more about getting your needs met. Oh, do you just need to be heard? Do you need to be seen? Like what's really going on under like that anger or that pushiness or what's happening that you're feeling insecure today. So it's yeah. a total different mind shift for myself. But I was way in my middle 30s. You learned it at such a young age. So good for you. Well, thank you, Shay. I was going to mention an example. We had an attorney that we worked with on his messaging, and he had the why of challenge the status quo like yourself. And one of the things we talked about, he's a personal injury attorney. Now, who loves personal injury attorneys? What do we think about <laughs> when you hear personal injury attorney? We think ambulance chaser, right? right. They're just trying to find a way to make a payday. And his YOS was challenge, make sense, contribute. So he he fit you two of your top three. Mm. And when we were working on his messaging, one of the things he said is, yeah, I said, Alex, do you hate bullies? He said, I can't stand them. That's why I take on the insurance companies. He gave the example. He says, uh, if you're a client that's been hurt in an accident, an insurance company is more than glad to give you $10,000 to make you go away. Right. But guess what? If you're not ever walking again, $10,000 is going to do nothing for you. True. And that insurance company, if you'll take it, they'll give it to you and they'll walk away and they'll mm -hmm. be happy. That's the bully. He's the, the example he used is, and they've got world-class attorneys on their side. It's like you're, if you're Joe Blow going off up against their world-class attorneys, it's like Joe Blow going into the ring with an MMA fighter. You're not only going to lose, you're going to get hurt. And so I am that MMA fighter that could go in there and fight for you. So you don't have to, I'll stand up to the bullies because mm. I know the law. I know how to make sure that you get what you need. A lot of people will say, well, of course you're happy. You got your client $10 million and you get a percentage of that. But remember that his how is to make sense. So he liked to make sense of the law for his clients mm. and his what was contribute. He says, you know what I care about? is that my client who will never walk again, will never be able to have a job, will never be able to run with his kids. I want him to never, ever have to worry about a mortgage payment, about how his kids are going to get to college, about how to put in a ramp 
into his house because he's now in a wheelchair. So I'm here to stand up to the bullies and make sure they pay. Because if they don't, then my client's going to have a very challenging life. And right then and there, personal injury attorney just became very noble to me, right? Sure. Because all of a sudden, I'm looking at him differently. Yes, you challenge you challenge the status quo, but you stand up to bullies. And it's part of his advertising. He says, I want to make sure that I am there for you. The other thing we talked about was his ideal client. I said, Alex, who's your ideal client? And he says, Dan, people like you. And I said, wait a minute. And he says, you're a nice guy. You're a genuinely nice guy. So I'm not patting myself on the back. These are his words. Yeah. He says, you're somebody that if I take into court, the jury is going to sympathize with you because you're a family guy. You go to church. You pay your taxes. You're not a lawbreaker. When I represent people like you, the jury is going to be sympathetic and they want to give you as much money as they can give you because they sympathize with you. So I don't want to represent a guy who's bombastic and loud and nobody likes him, right? True. Because the jury's not going to want to give them a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I said, so where do you find your ideal clients? And so we talked about, okay, so based on the fact that your ideal client fits that profile. So he advertises on Christian radio. And he says, so he's not, he says, look, I'm not hoping that people that listen to Christian radio have something bad happen to them. But if something does, I want to represent them because that's my ideal client. These are people for whom I'm going to find the best settlement for. And they're good people. I like helping good people. I don't want to yeah. help the person that walks into every McDonald's, slips and falls and sues, right? right? And they've got everybody, every McDonald's manager in town knows them because they've been sued by the same guy. That's not the guy I want. I want that person who really needs my help so they can get on with their life. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I think there's something to be said about when you think about your ideal client. For me, I found that my ideal client was something I experienced. Yes. So I'm wondering if it was something that he experienced where he was like, well, he clearly the nice guy does win at the end of the day. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, I know that we could talk for hours because this is the second time we have, and it took forever as for even to hit record because <laughs> <laughs> we just had so much to talk about, Dan. So before we wrap up, we just have a few more questions, but I also want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Quest Education, and you can check out more at the end of the show. There'll be a little blurb about them and there's more, a link in the show notes as well, Quest Education. And thank you to them. They help you free up your money in your 401k tax and penalty free to start a business. So very cool information with the guys over there. And he was happened to be a guest on season five, episode five. So Dan, there's just so much about the Y Institute that is just, it's just a plethora of knowledge is really what I'll say. So yeah. how do you see them and you going forward into, it seems like everybody's a coach right now. So how do you see it really going forward into the, into just that, not just coaches, but in other realms of areas of the world? Yeah. Great question. So we have a big, hairy, audacious goal, and that is to help a billion people discover their why. My, my aha moment came in 2019 and October 19th, 2019, October 21st is when I discovered my why on October 19th, <laughs> I had a toothache. Mm -hmm. I went to Gary because he was my dentist at the time and he was working on the Y Institute on the side. And he saw me in his office 
And I told him about my, that I was leaving my corporate career. I said, I want to go make a difference in the world. I don't know what it is that I want to do next, but whatever I do, I'm going to love it. And Mm. he says, Dan, do you know your why? And when he took me through the process of discovering my why, my how, and my what, all of a sudden my life made sense. I've always been that person that wants to help others. And how I do it is by doing things differently. What I bring are solutions that make sense. And I started looking at every time I'd ever been really successful, I was contributing to the success of others. I was doing it differently than everybody else, my own way. And I was helping people make sense of the complex and challenging. And all of a sudden I said, okay, so that's my filter. Every time that I'm really happy, that's what I want to do. So now everything, if you bring something to me and if Shay says, Dan, I've got an idea. Let me show you how it helps people. Let me show you how it's different than what everybody else is doing. And let me show you the problem it solves. I'm in because those are my (laughs) top three. I mean, I'm like, you don't even have to ask. You might as well just sign me up now that, so, so that was, that's, how it fits, right? It fit me. It changed my life. And so I know now I've been doing it for a couple of years. Every coach that we bring on says the only thing they wish they'd done is that they'd done it sooner Mm. because it gives them clarity and it gives their clients clarity and it gives them a process that you went through it. It takes 10 minutes to go through the questionnaire that gets you your YOS, the discovery that we call it. So once you get that, then you can start applying it. You apply it with your coach, you apply it with your clients, you apply it to your business, you apply it to your personal life. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with a CEO taking them through their process and they say, I want to know this about everybody on my team. But before we do that, can you do this for my spouse? Oh, and then we, right. Because sure. who doesn't want to know the why of the person they spend right. the most time with? Well, and it's, and again, it's our family mm-hmm. and then it's the people at work, right? If we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with, let's figure out what those five people, what drives those five people. So it's a real easy conversation. So when people come to me and they're, they've seen my LinkedIn profile, they've seen my live show, or they've heard something that, that I'm working on and they say, Hey, how do I get that? And so we have an easy conversation. We go through their YOS. That's the other thing. And I'm sure you saw this. I don't even meet with people if they haven't taken a discovery because I don't want to have to guess what's important to them when I can know. If they take it, then I know that when we get into that phone call into that conversation, I can talk to them about what's important to them because it's about the client in the end, right? Let's make it about them. Let's make them the hero of the story so that they can decide whether or not they want to make a decision to invest with us into in our system or not, but it's been custom tailored for them. Well, I have to say I was not surprised, but it, I love that you use the word contribution. So for me, one of my whys is contribution. It's very yes. important to me, like you said, to impact a billion people. Absolutely. Who, I mean, in my mind, I'm like, who wouldn't want to do that? But I know there are other things out there that are people's wise. So can you just briefly go through what something, something else that someone else might have as a, as a why? So it's very interesting. So we figured out, we've done this with over a hundred thousand people. So there are nine whys and everybody has one. And one of the things we figured out soon after we figured out that everybody has one of those nine whys is that everybody has a how and a what. So what's different about the Y Institute and the work that we do, we're the only discovery out there. 
There are plenty of assessments out there. There's the Colby, there's the DISC, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's Enneagram. All of those are great assessments. And what we have found is that they're great at showing you how you do what you do, more about your how. The why is all about what motivates you and what do you believe? So it's mm -hmm. motivation and belief. So if we take your top three, for example, we know that you're motivated when you're challenging the status quo and doing things differently. That's motivational to you. We know you're motivated by finding better ways to do things. And we know you're motivated by helping others. So if I know your primary motivators, I can better work with you. If I'm a coach that doesn't do any of those things, but I can help you. You need something. I just need to make sure that I speak to you in your language because we call it the platinum rule, Shay. The golden rule says treat others yes. as they would like to be treated. The platinum rule says let's treat others as they want to be treated. Yes. Let's talk to them in the language they want to hear. And then automatically it creates a better connection. Whether I have the same top three as you or not, I think what's important is that I talk to you so that you are listening. I'm talking in your language so that you say, ah, that's something I want to do so that we can work together. So those that's what leads to those relationships that last, right? You feel heard, you feel understood, you feel- I love this. I love this. And so how many overall there, you said there's nine. So can you list those nine? Absolutely. So I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version yes, so that we yes. don't bore your audience. But so there are nine whys. The first one is to contribute to the success of others. People with this why love to help others. They're driven by helping people. They're the people that never say no. Whenever you call them and you need help, they say yes. They're the people you call when you get in trouble. The second one is trust. People with the why of trust believe that trust is the most important thing. They trust you, you trust them, sky is the limit. But boy, if you violate their trust, it damages the relationship. <laughs> we all know somebody like that, right? Mm -hmm. Make sense is the third why. These are people who are really good at processing data. They can take in a lot of information and really quickly come up with a solution. They're great problem solvers. So that's probably where they work best. And number four is people who find better ways. That's your how. People who like to take things that exist and make them better. They love to tweak things that exist and make them better, constantly innovating, constantly looking for better ways. They're opposite of the next group, which is right way. People <laughs> who like to do things the right way, follow processes and systems. You would think that they would get not get along well with better ways, but what we have found is a lot of visionaries are better way, but they have a right way person on their team that mm -hmm. helps them execute the things that need to get done right way people are dependable they're going to do what needs to get done the right way every single time and you can count on them the next one is challenge the status quo that's your why people who love to do things differently they like to live outside the box for them the box doesn't even exist sometimes right the next one is mastery so the next three are the most rare Mastery is the why of people who love to learn things at a very deep level. They study, they get PhDs in obscure subjects. You recognize them as subject matter experts. They're driven by knowledge. The next one is clarify. People with the why of clarify like to be really clear in what they're sharing with you. And they want to make sure they clearly understand you. So it's very, it's very easy to recognize them, Shay. I think I shared this example with you. You send these people a contract, they'll send you a three-page email with questions yes. on the contract, right? <laughs> because they want to make sure they're very clear on everything in that contract. 
great detail-oriented people. You want them on your team reading your contracts because they will not let anything slip by. And the last one is simplify. People with the why of simplify like things simple. They'll take things that are complex and they'll simplify them so that everybody can understand them. Great communicators. Mm, And so those are the nine whys. Everybody has one and everybody has a how and a what that comes from those nine whys. And when we put those three together, that's what we call the why operating system, the system that drives you. So tell us how they can get connected with you, get connected with this system, because I know there's probably people listening that are like, well, I'm in transition right now. And I would love to know my why before I figure out what's next after that. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you for that question. www.whyinstitute.com is our website. You can go there. You can have access to the Y Discovery. You can have access to the YOS Discovery. There's a section there that says Y in business. So if you're a coach and you're looking for a better way to get to know your clients, you can click on that. There's a way to get in contact with me and you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Dan Dominguez and I'm on LinkedIn. You can also email me at dan at whyinstitute.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for being here. This is just such a fun conversation. And I just have a few questions left. So what do you, even though we probably, I might know your answer to this, but I always like to ask it anyway, what would you want to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Yeah. Great question. I love this question. I think those of us that are driven with the why of contribute, we want to leave the world a better place than we found. Mm -hmm. You want people to say, hey, Dan made a difference in the lives of others. And I mean, that's my why, right? Mm -hmm. So what is it that, that, what kind of legacy did you leave? Did you leave this place better than you found it? I think if Mm -hmm. people remember that, if people are at your funeral and they'll say, Dan, help me do this, right? How did you make a difference in the lives of others? I love it. And so is there a phrase, scripture, or mantra that kind of resonates with you that helps you make a difference in others? Wow. That's a great question. A phrase, a mantra. Think Or scripture. Yeah. I'd have to think about that one for a little bit. There's, I read so much and I have so many things, but I think, I think growth is important. I think you constantly have to grow, but I think the, the I think it goes with my why. I think if you're, if you put, I think if you put people ahead of profit, if you always concentrate on the people aspect, that's, I've always been a people leader, not a numbers leader. I think putting people first is so important. And I think when you put people first, success comes. hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I love it. And just thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for all your knowledge because it was just amazing. Well, thank you for having me, Shay. We had a great initial conversation. We had a great pre-show conversation (laughs) and we had a great during show conversation. So I always love making these connections and I'm just blessed to be part of your network and blessed to have you share our message with your network. And we look forward to working with anybody that comes our way through your network and we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't, I'm looking forward to it. We may, who knows, we may even collaborate on something in the future. That would be fantastic. I would love to do that, Shay. Yes. 
And thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you took notes on what Dan said, because you were probably like, what is that Con- contribute? What is that? What was that other why they mentioned? Yeah, I, I need to take I need to take that discovery. Then feel free to drop us a, a note on Apple Podcasts reviews. Let us know or send me an email or a text on any of the social media. And I can always get you over to Dan so you can know more information until, and I know hopefully you weren't driving as you were taking some notes because it was pretty <laughs> profound, but you know, sometimes you just have to pull over and you know, or do talk to text in your phone. Cause it was great. And I know that I took notes, so I know you might have too. So until next time, when you're getting ready to take fearless action, maybe you need to check out your why first. Let's get fired up. This podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend, Daniel Blue from season five, episode five over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their how to grow your money tax-free online course, completely complimentary, just for listening to today's show. We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.